So I was uh, driving with one of you recently, and we had some time while we were driving. Uh, we were doing some church-related projects, and so we were just talking about stuff, and uh, the guy I was driving with asked me, we were, we were on the topic of fish fries, and he said, so, you know, like, do you have a favorite place to go for a fish fry? We'll pause at this point. Quick, give me three really good places for fish fries. Judd's. Uh, what was yours? Pepinos. Pepinos, two. Five o'clock club. Interesting. All right, totally different list than we had at the eight o'clock service. I'm just writing this. I think, I, I think we have to have an adult forum sometime that's kind of like the Unity, uh, what is it, Angie's list, where we just sit there and we come up with our favorites of like everything, and then we have kind of this repository of important knowledge. Anyhow, so he asked me, do you have a favorite place for a fish fry? And I said, well, you got to remember that my wife Barb and I both grew up in Wisconsin, so yeah, we've got favorite fish fry places, but they actually aren't here in the Milwaukee area. And he said, well, so like, where are yours? And I said, well, I grew up in the West Bend area, and so there's this place to the west of West Bend called St. Lawrence, and there's a little restaurant there called the Little Red Inn. And so walleye and perch, you can take your pick. Uh, you know, the, the German potato pancakes, plenty of applesauce. I hate it when places short you on the applesauce for the potato pancakes. And the marbled rye bread and really good coleslaw, like it's just like awesome. And so his mouth is watering on that little description. I hope yours is as well. Just think fish fries, people. And uh, then Barb, Barb, she grew up in Fond du Lac, so how many of you have ever, do? how many of you know where Pipe, Wisconsin is, P-I-P-E? Several of you do. So that's on the east shore of Lake Winnebago, about a quarter of the way up the lake. Uh, and there's a place there right on the lake called Jim and Linda's. Oh, man. Oh, you're, you're over it already. People already knew about it. Anyhow, a great fish fry at, at Jim and Linda's. So we're having this conversation, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but what I didn't say in the conversation is the, the last time we were at Jim and Linda's. So Jim and Linda's has been there like a long time. Uh, I, I think, it, you know, family run. So I think it's been a blessing to their family. Uh, you know, their, their occupation, surely a blessing to the people who go there, you know, great atmosphere. But the last time we were there, we were, there, we were talking to Jim, and uh, it was feeling a little bit more like a curse, because he was just talking about, man, it is so hard to maintain a staff, you know, people come, people go, it's like we're, we're hiring all the time, and, you know, I just don't know how much longer I can keep doing this. And, uh, you know, the blessing felt, at least at that moment, on a really busy day, to feel a little bit more like a curse. When you think about it, that, that's not an unusual thing in life, right? I mean, that there are these things that we know are blessings, but then they loom over us in some way as, as almost maybe more of a curse. You get a promotion, it results in more travel, that all seems a little cool, but you're on the road, and sometimes that brings with it some unique temptations, and maybe it also brings some disconnection from life back at home. You start a medicine and, and, and it's good for you, but there's some side effects you didn't anticipate. Suddenly the blessing feels a little bit like a curse. You have the, the resources, um, you know, to, 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 in a sense, jump over all of the traffic in Southern California by taking a helicopter, and then something bad happens. And that was a great, you know, tragedy for nine people uh, last Sunday. But I mean, there are so many ways in life where, where what is a blessing perhaps also feels like or becomes a curse in our existence. And, and that's one way that that happens. But another way it happens is, is you just misunderstand what the blessing is in the first place. And that now is going to get us to today's scripture lessons and particularly to today's gospel lesson, uh, 
Um, Jesus, uh, Jesus is a is a Jewish rabbi in Matthew's gospel. We're we're 21st century Protestant Christians living in America. Those are like two totally different worlds. In other words, the world we're in is kind of a scientific, factual, almost kind of literal world. We're we're really into kind of taking people at their word and and kind of, you know, show me, prove it to me. And and that's fine. That's that's good for our culture. But as a result, we, we often miss out on who Jesus is. And as a first century AD Jewish rabbi, uh, he didn't spend a lot of time in literal, factual conversation. Uh, like the, the great people before him, he would use poetry. Like the people before him, he used stories to make a point. He'd use exaggeration all the time to try and teach his people what he was trying to teach them. And, and sometimes we make the mistake of, at some level, taking literally what he meant actually just to get our attention. So... In the gospel according to Matthew, the one we're reading all this year, uh, the first four chapters, the stuff that we've been reading so far this year, has been the birth of Jesus, the escape into Egypt as a child. Uh, then, a, then John the Baptist emerges as an adult. Jesus gets baptized. The first week of Lent, we'll go back to chapter 4 for the temptation in the wilderness, and he calls his disciples. All that happens in chapters 1 through 4. It's like the preliminary stuff. And then we get to today's gospel lesson, chapter 5 where Jesus begins his teaching ministry. And there'll be five sections in Matthew's gospel where he teaches. Uh, The Sermon on the Mount is the first one. Starts in chapter five, six, and seven. Three chapters, I'm pretty sure, of the most dynamic, comprehensive religious instruction anywhere, honestly. And that's not like a slam on other religions, because it's even true of the Bible itself. Jesus packed so much into just those three chapters. It's amazing. And there's symbolism even in how it begins. He goes up the mountaintop. In Jewish tradition, revelations take place on a mountaintop. And he's a rabbi, so he sits down to teach while the audience stands. I just, I thought I'd try it just to see if it would work. It's never worked. Just keep sitting, people. Okay, that's part of the tradition. That's not making its way into the 21st century. So the rabbi sits, the audience stands. And he begins to teach. And what's the first word out of his mouth? I mean, the first word out of his mouth in this central core teaching is blessings. Blessed are those who. And then he starts to to go through the list. Who are merciful, who are the peacemakers, who are humble, who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then if you keep going through chapter 5, You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Oh, and by the way, if you get angry with or hate your brother or sister, it's like you've killed them. And if you you think about someone other than your immediate relationship uh, sexually, you've already committed adultery. And and if um, uh, uh, someone does evil to you, you've got to turn the other cheek. You've got to go the extra mile. To repay evil with evil is crazy. You can only repair it with people repay it with goodness. In other words, he starts kind of slow and simple, and it builds and builds and builds, and it seems more and more demanding. And how do you think chapter 5 ends? It ends with Jesus saying to everyone who's listening, you must be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. How is your perfectionism going here, people? 
Thanks for laughing just a little bit, because you should be, because I'm pretty sure nobody's reached that even for a day. Jesus starts simple, and by the end of this first chapter of teaching, he's expecting you and I to be perfect. But now, remember what I said about who he is. If I was saying that, you might tend to take me somewhat literally and think, how am I going to do that? But Jesus uses exaggeration to get people's, people's attention. In other words, I'm pretty sure what he's saying here is, you're not even going to know what's right and good if you don't know what perfection is. Let's start working in that direction. Blessed are those who. Blessings and curses. As a preacher, I've just been so aware over time by by what is a blessing, and we're going to talk about why everything that he says today is a blessing, why for so many people, because they have taken it literally, it, it feels like a curse, or it's been preached to them literally, and so it feels like a curse. And so people have this amazing set of expectation laid on them. Your intentions always have to be right. You always have to return good in the face of evil. You have to be willing to pray for your enemies. You have to be perfect. I mean, if that gets laid on you all the time, you're either going to end up feeling guilty or ashamed or inadequate or resentful, and chances are you're going to internalize that or project that onto somebody else, or you're not even going to be in a place like this. And that's, that's the ultimate tragedy that something intended to be so good and powerful and uplifting becomes something so oppressive and negative. Blessed are they who... We'll come back to that in just a little bit. Take a little bit segue to today. Today is a numerical palindrome, right? 0202-2020. So, like, uh, I was surprised when I read an article, I shouldn't have been, but I was surprised that it's it's a numerical palindrome on a worldwide basis. In, In other words, think when you travel to other countries, everybody else does dating differently than we do, right? Everybody else does it day, month, year, so the shortest time to the longest. So February 10th on the international dating system would be 10 to 2020, right? But we do how we say it. We would say February 10th, 27th. So we would do uh, 2-10-2020. But today, regardless of which system you're using, it's 0202-2020, palindrome in either direction. That's awesome, right? When do you think was the last time we had one of those, a universal palindrome? 909, thank you. <laughs> do, you do, do you do a little math for your living, possibly? Yeah, Troy's an actuary and does lots of math. So actually it was, what was it, 11-11, November 11th, 11-11, the, the year 909 years ago. When's the next one? 101 years away. We're all waiting for it. It's going to be a party. Uh, it's going to be... Uh, And then we got to wait another 909 years, March 3rd, 3030. That also will be a party, but I'm not sure we're going to make that one. Uh, So you got to enjoy the the numerical palindrome while it lasts. I digressed by saying that, just by saying that that I hadn't even thought of that, even though with our El Salvador connection, with our boys living internationally, I'm using those numbers all the time. It was like right there, but I couldn't see it. So Jeff did a really good job of reading our lessons today, that first lesson. 
That's written like 720 years before Christ. At the time it was written, people couldn't see it. In other words, every religion of that time, as far as I know, believed that one of the ways that you appeased God or pleased God was, was by offering sacrifices. Sacrifice an animal, sacrifice part of your off, uh, harvest. And in most cultures, sacrifice a human being, sacrifice one of your children. Even within our tradition, you recall that story of Abraham contemplating sacrificing his son Isaac, but he does not. And Micah comes along and says, what are you thinking? God doesn't need you to sacrifice any of that stuff. God would prefer actually that you didn't. What God would prefer is that you, that you love kindness and that you practice mercy and that you have a little bit of the humility that, that God's own self espouses. This is what God wants. It's so obvious. How can you miss it? It took another 700 years for people to kind of figure that out took Jesus to come and refer back to Micah a number of times. It's so obvious. Blessed are they who. You'll notice in Matthew's Gospel, it's not blessed are you. Because if it was blessed are you, it would be an unbearable pressure. Blessed are you when you're the peacemaker, when you're humble, when you're the, the light of the world, when you, when you return only good in the face of evil, when you forgive your enemies, if it's, if it's on you, none of us can, can live up to that. And so Jesus, at the beginning of his teaching, says, I know you don't know any of this stuff yet. It's going to take a lifetime for you to figure it out, a lifetime of trial and error. But blessed are they, blessed is anyone, when they do get it right, Blessed is anyone when they do choose good instead of evil, when they do have the right intentions, when they do think of their neighbor in a way that adds to their neighbor's life rather than takes away from it. If you look at it on the page, you could actually do that. You could pick up your bulletin. Look at page three. So there are Nine times where it says blessed, the first eight are blessed are those or blessed are they who do something. The last one is blessed are you. He changes. And there's a reason for that, but that's a Bible study. We'll take that another time. But the first eight are the important ones because they're all the same construction. Blessed are they who or blessed are those who. How does the first one and the last one, the first and the eighth, how do they end? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. How does the eighth one go? Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those are the bookends, the beginning and the end. Kingdom of heaven is only referenced to Matthew's gospel. The idea of Jesus as Emmanuel, God with us, only in Matthew's gospel. The, the line about righteousness, a, a higher righteousness, only talked about in Matthew's gospel. And see the relationship between all of those, which Jesus just kind of starts with here in the Beatitudes, is that the kingdom of heaven is not up there and it's not in the future, but it literally is what he teaches us in the Lord's Prayer, which is going to be the next chapter, the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, where he says what in the middle of that prayer? Thy will be done on earth as in heaven. 
Anytime God's will is made real here on earth, the kingdom of heaven is here. Emmanuel is here. The right way of being is here. Blessed are they. Blessed is anyone who can even get that right once. And then if you get it right once, maybe you can get it right, right twice. And then the person next to you gets it right, and there is a momentum and an inspiration and a goodness that builds on itself when the people of God understand that the kingdom of heaven draws near. I don't know how he'd say that nowadays, but I do think it's simple stuff. Blessed, blessed are they when they like, come all the time to be part of a worshiping community because it's, it's good for their soul, but it's even better to be surrounded by people who want to be fed and who then want to go out and, and be a blessing to others. That, there's such strength in numbers in that. Blessed are they who, who come a lot, and blessed are they who read their bulletin and read all of those names that we pray for. And you realize that maybe you don't know any of them, but they're real-life people who sit right here in these pews. And, and so you take it upon yourself to, to find one of those people and not just pray in abstract for them, but maybe pray with them or support them in some way. Blessed are they who, who go to the church website and, and research every partner we have. And you decide to go visit one of those partners and that becomes part of your life's passion. Blessed are they. What would he say, actually? What would he say to you? What's, what's a blessing that perhaps has been right in front of you all along? that maybe almost at times feels more like a curse. But if you step back from it, Micah kind of resonates in your head and you, you think to yourself, what was I thinking? Why couldn't I see 0202-2020 around the world? Why couldn't I see whatever it is in my own life that I can take possession of, own, live into something close to the kingdom of heaven? Nothing drives me more, honestly, than, than the fact that so many people have been excluded and, and put down by religious faith. And to me, it's such a tragedy because when Jesus started to teach in the most amazing collection of teachings there is, he didn't say it once. He said it nine times. Blessed. None of us individually, but blessed are all of us together. He didn't say cursed, done. 